Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text today is from John chapter 19, verse 30, particularly these words, Jesus' last words on the cross. It is finished. Throughout our series, we've been talking about the different parts of worship and the blessings we receive in worship, and it has all been leading up to this. We have been welcomed into God's house by His grace, cleansed of our sins. We've been taught how to pray and how to praise our Lord. We've received His blessings, His pronouncement of forgiveness. We feasted at His table. And now we look at how we say farewell. We don't leave a worship service alone and going our own separate ways. We, we leave with God's blessing upon us and God's presence with us. That's what the benediction is. And so these are the words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. These words were given to the priest of Israel by Moses to, to say to the Israelites. And as they say these words, God said that he would put his name upon them. He would put his name upon them. As the soldiers marched close to Jesus, they asked, or Jesus asked, who are you looking for? And they responded, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus responded, I am. The soldiers fell to the ground when Jesus said this dropping their swords and their spears, knocked down just by the force of his word, of his name. I am. I am cast us all the way back to Moses, whenever he's there in front of the burning bush, and God is sending him to go and free the people of Israel out of Egypt. And when Moses asks, well, well what is your name, God? God responds, I am who I am. And so we see in the Gospel of John, many times over, Jesus uses this same statement, I am. And here, before the soldiers, we recognize the power of that name, I am. As it knocks down soldiers from the most powerful army and the most powerful empire the world has ever seen. I am. But also in John, there's a moment where Jesus is outstanding on the waves in the midst of a storm, and the disciples are terrified, and they want to know who this person is who comes to him. And there again he says, I am. And in hearing that name, the disciples aren't knocked over, but instead they receive him onto the boat. And in one case you have the name knocking down soldiers, and in another case you have that name bringing comfort. And so it is that this name of Jesus is upon you. When you hear his blessings, God is putting his name upon you. That name that you go out with is the name that has overcome all powers, rulers, and authorities in this world. It is the name that pushes back the power of Satan and sin in your lives. This name of God is the name that we hear in Philippians that every knee will one day bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And when Paul writes that in Philippians, it's not just that everyone's going to come to believe in Jesus. I wish that that were true. But instead, what that means is that both those who rejected Christ throughout their lives and those who believed in him will see Jesus and recognize that he is Lord in an undeniable way. 
When you're standing in front of the king, there is no doubt that he is the king, and so it will be when Jesus returns. This name will cause every knee to bow. That's the name that is upon you. It's stated over and over again. It's given to you first in your baptism, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and now this name of God is placed upon you when you receive the final blessings. The first words of the benediction, the Lord. First two words, the Lord. Jesus, as he was crucified, had the inscription put upon him or put above him on the cross that said, the king of the Jews. And it's interesting to think about whether Pilate was just tired and exhausted by this day already that he just wanted to put out the shortest description of Jesus' crucifixion that he could. Or maybe it was just sort of a subtle insult to the priest and, and the rulers of the Jewish people that he put that out there. Here is your king. Look at the one who's dying. Here's the king of the Jews. And it was Jesus who was mocked. He had a, a crown of thorns twisted and, and shoved upon his head. A purple robe was draped around his shoulders as he was beaten and spat upon but as he endured the mockery of the cross, he never lost his kingly authority. To the one crucified next to him, he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. As king, he has authority to say that. And as king, he has authority to cry out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we see Jesus on the cross, we see our king riding out into combat against sin, death, and every evil and overcoming that as our king. When you are blessed by the Lord, it is the king of all who blesses you. One who's been victorious and is victorious. The Lord bless you. Those are the next words of the benediction. The Lord bless you. Hebrew is a language that is very concrete. In other words, Whenever you see words in Hebrew, there's usually a very concrete image behind each word. The word for blessing is barak. Barak means to bless, but it also means to kneel. And that's the concrete image behind blessing. One is kneeling and offering a great gift to somebody. They're taking a position of inferiority to offer a great blessing. It might be offensive to think that the Lord would kneel before you. After all, I don't want to confuse us. He's Lord. We're not. We just finished talking about that. You have a God who washes feet, strips down to nothing, to servant's clothes, gets on his knees and cleanses the feet of his disciples. His kneeling before you is offering his very life on the cross. He gives his body, his life, to you. There is nothing that our Lord holds back from you, and we see that now in his dying breaths. The Lord bless you and keep you. Those are the next words. The word keep, in Hebrew is shamar. A related word to that is shamir. 
Shamar means keep and guard, and Shamir means thorn. And we can kind of bring these two words together, Shamar, keep and guard, Shamir, thorn, with this little illustration. Shepherds that would put out a hedge of thorns around the places where they were keeping their sheep. These thorns would serve to protect their sheep. Be barriers to keep out wolves and to keep out thieves. So the shepherds would guard Shemar, their sheep, using the thorns of branches, Shemir, thorns. Tonight we come before our Lord and we see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your sins have been your barriers between you and Christ. Your sins have been those things that have kept you on the outside of His blessings. But this Lamb of God takes away sin. He lifts up that barrier, that that hedge of thorns between you and the Father. And He welcomes you in as His sheep into His flock through His death. Whatever barriers, whatever thorns and thistles have kept you from our Lord, tonight Christ has lifted them. And instead of these thorns and thistles being a barrier to keep you away, now they guard and protect you as a sheep in his pasture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. As his eyes are stinging with sweat and tears and even blood, he looks down and he sees at the foot of the cross beneath him his mother and the disciple whom he loves. And in spite of his pain and in spite of his agony, he does not desire for them to be alone, for them to be abandoned. And so he says, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. They're a small church, a community, support for one another. It's built by the words of Christ and by the bond that they shared underneath His sacrifice and shedding of His blood. Regardless of what Christ has been through on the cross, He sees you. He sees you. And you are the disciple whom he loves. Even now in his pain, even now in his agony, even now as it is hard for him to hold his eyes open, he still sees you. The hurts that you carry, the ways that you have borne griefs and sorrows in your hearts, he sees. He knows them. He's deeply familiar with them. He does not desire for you to be alone not even now at the hour of his death. He bonds you together in fellowship under his cross. The only place where we are seen and known in an otherwise anonymous world, Jesus knows you. You are his own. You are the disciple whom he loves. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. It was in the Old Testament that priests would be sprinkled and cleansed with water before they could enter into the holy places. A leper will also be sprinkled and cleansed 
and, and healed of his, uh, whenever he was healed of his diseases, that would allow the leper to come back into temple worship and, and rejoin the people of God. We read in Isaiah that this suffering servant will sprinkle many nations. That sprinkling is a cleansing. And this is where it's hard to really wrap our minds around this because not one of us can list all of our sins in total. Not one of us in a moment, just in, at one time, can write down everything we have ever thought, said, done, or felt, all the attitudes of our heart. Even the good things that we've done that have been tainted by sin. It's impossible to list those. So how great then is the miracle that by the sprinkling of his blood you are cleansed. And we always have something that we want to hold back. There's always something that we might say, yes, I have been forgiven of this sin, but there's those deeper and darker ones that make us not so sure. But to be cleansed by Jesus is an all or nothing thing. To be washed with his water at baptism, to be cleansed by his blood, means that you have cleansing in full. He is gracious unto you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Jesus gave one last cry, a shout from the cross, cross, tetelestai, it is finished. And he bowed his head, gave up his spirit, and he did so in peace. From tetelestai, it is finished, comes shalom, peace, completeness. From tetelestai, it is finished comes shalom, peace, completeness. When Jesus cries out, it is finished on the cross, he has done it. He has suffered and endured the entire wrath of God for your sins. As he cries out, he has endured the pain for the payment of atonement. He has purchased you back and all his people, and all the world from sin and death. And we who believe in Christ's death and resurrection receive his shalom. Through his complete work on the cross, he freely gives you his peace, his completeness, his wholeness. Jesus Christ suffered and died for you to finish what you could not. He rose so that you might hear and have and hold on to peace with God. Jesus was hung on a tree. He endured every curse for you you might have his every blessing.